0: Things. Amen. Would you please stand with me and turn to page number 213. Page number 213 this morning. Holy, holy, holy. We'll sing out all those verses as we begin together. Holy, holy, i
1: Like that song, I think sometimes we get real quiet on songs like that. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because we don't like the subject of holiness. And then I thought about, well, maybe it's because just it's not a song that encourages us, but rather it praises Him. But I'm telling you, God's still holy, isn't He? And we need to praise Him and and glorify Him. In fact, I read this morning in my Bible reading in Psalm 92, and and I like this, and and I think this is a good way to start out in the morning. It says. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. And we serve a great God this morning, amen, and he certainly deserves to be our audience. And so let's make that uh, the case this morning and praise him and, and uh, lift our song unto him. Sure glad you're here and do want to welcome you to our uh, services this morning. Don't really have a lot of announcements uh, today, just of course don't forget about the ladies uh, meeting later on this month uh, on Tuesday night and then of course the barrel is back there for the candy for the harvest party at the end of the month, I believe it's October the 28th on a Friday night, but sure looking uh, forward uh, to that and just looking forward to a great day today in the Lord's uh, house. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, Brother Jim Wisdom, would you open us in prayer this morning?
0: Please remain standing and turn to page number 50. The last verse of that last song says, All thy works shall praise thy name. This song is Praise Him, Praise Him. We have a lot to praise Him for. Amen. Let's sing it out together on that first verse. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing over His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in Redeemer. For our sins He suffered and bled and died. He our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail Him, hail Him, Jesus the crucified. Sound His praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful deep and strong. His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals will flabb with Hosanna's ring. greatness, Praise Him, praise Him Ever in joyful song Amen Turn to page number 19 now Page number 19 To God be the glory For all that He's done We're going to sing verse uh, all three verses And then we'll go on to page number 20 as well Page number 19 Sing it out there on the first To God be the glory Great things He had done, so loved He the world that. To play, let's get around and shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one of you here. Glad some are visiting back with us. We're glad you're here today. number 19 if you lost your place there page number 19 we're going to sing out that last verse you got to remember this morning that nothing you have you have in and of yourself it's all from god all the glory needs to go to him for all of it amen let's sing it out on that last verse great things he hath taught us great things he hath done and great how rejoicing through jesus the son but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people Father, through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He had done. Come up for the offering. I'd like to read to you from John chapter 3 and verse 14. He tells us, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the
1: Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. We see through the rest of the passage, we were condemned already. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Brother Jack Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning?
0: lose its power. Amen. I'm thankful for that because that's the only thing that can wash your or my sins away. Amen. Let's all stand. Page 180. Nothing but the blood. Page 180. Sing all four verses this morning for our last song together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make Nothing but the blood of Jesus For my cleansing This my plea Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow No other fount I know Nothing but the blood Nothing can force sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good. blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of great singing and you may be seated this morning. Was straying in since dark valley. No hope within could I see. Then there came from heaven. A blessed Savior To save a poor, lost soul
2: like me Oh, what a Savior Oh, hallelujah His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail-scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. waters I'll soon be crossing then his hand it will lead me safe
3: home
2: then I'll join that call I'll sing up there forever and evermore. Oh, what a Savior! Oh, Hallelujah! His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail-scarred, his side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. Oh, what a Savior! Oh, hallelujah! heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail-scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me.
3: His hands were nail-scarred,
2: His side was riven, He gave His life's blood.
1: quartet. Amen. Good old song. What a blessing. I was back there shouting because I got a wonderful Savior, but Tim also hit that note. Amen. And uh, what a blessing. I love that stuff. I, I'm i telling you, what's good to be in church. Amen. What a blessing. Sure thankful you're here uh, this morning and want to ask you to take your Bibles and let's all stand if you're able to stand and in honor of God's word this morning and turn with me to the book of Romans and, and chapter number 4 this morning, the book of Romans and and chapter number 4, and uh, I'm going to start reading in verse number 19, kind of jumping in the middle uh, here of of something, and and, uh, uh, I'll explain that here in in just a moment, but notice in verse number 19, okay, and the Bible says this, "And, and being not weak in faith, speaking of Abraham... He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore... Okay, And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, notice this in verse 23. Now, now it was not written for his sake alone. If you're Abraham, it's pretty good news though. But it wasn't just written for his sake alone, That, that it was imputed to him, but for us also that are in the New Testament. Okay, here's why. If we believe on him... All right, but well, notice. Let me go back to verse twenty-three. It was now it was not written for uh, for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now if you were here last week, and even if you wasn't here, I just do want to call your attention to the fact that we've already looked at the first part of, of chapter number four. I, I, I said this and several times that the book of Romans was actually used in our law schools uh, back in the day because it is a great proof text that man is saved by faith. And really, Paul has made his case, if you will. We know this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so therefore, man must receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But Paul is making the case to say this, that the only way man receives this righteousness is by faith. All right, It is not through works, whether that be the works of the law or even or even the works of New Testament Christianity today, right. baptism or or church membership or or observing the lord 's Supper, those are all good things that the child of God should do, but i don 't do them to obtain salvation. I do them because I 've already obtained salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. right so you understand that 's what Paul 's dealing with and what he 's saying is this, and to paul 's point that even Abraham, the father of the Jews, it says this, that he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham was saved by faith. I want you to catch this, and I wrote this down in my notes so I'd be clear. It has been and it always will be, faith is what God requires of man. Always has been and always will be. Even in the law in the Old Testament, they were looking to the Savior just like we are to look back at the Savior by faith. So now we reach what I would say is the closing arguments. And I would call this the substance of faith. And I believe this, here's the idea. If man is saved by faith, and that's the way God demanded it to be, then we better be sure we get faith right. And what better example to go to than Father Abraham once again. And that's how Paul finishes it out this morning. I titled the message, The Substance of Faith. Father, would you bless the preaching, Lord? Speak to us. Convict us of your word. Help us this morning. Encourage us, Lord, from the life of Abraham. And dear God, use me as your vessel in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? I pardon the interruption, but this fan is blowing my Bible all over the place, amen. It's good to have it blowing on me, but not on my notes, right? I uh was thinking about a message I'd preached a few weeks ago, I guess, and I was talking to you about I uh, was telling you about my trip to the optometrist to get my eyes checked and you know, it's it's not the it's not my eyes that's going bad. It's the font that's getting smaller, right? And uh, I, you know, it's i you get in your later forties and things begin to change, metabolism and hearing and eyesight and all of that stuff. And I've heard that it gets better though. It gets better from the older crowd, right? Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget I'll never forget being in that room in that little room with the, the doctor and and uh, reading that chart with each eye and and uh, she had me cover my right eye. And I began to see uh, things clearly out of the left eye and was reading that chart. And then I covered my left eye and I started reading with my right eye. And I couldn't read the same line on the chart. And I, we, that's when I, you know, it was made clear to me that I had a slight stigmatism in my right eye. And so what she did was to figure out what the prescription was that I needed uh, in my glasses. And she stuck this big device in front of my face and and she clicks the lenses there and changes all the magnification so that, you know, until it gets really clear. And I'll never forget, she flipped this one thing and all of a sudden my right eye, man, I could see everything. And I was like, that's it right there. And I was like, glory, hallelujah. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you this morning is this, is that I believe that the Apostle Paul is, he's switching the lens, so to speak, on the subject of faith. In other words, he's, He's allowing us to see it more clearly. And as already mentioned, listen, if man, if man is a sinner, all right, and man is, all right, and the only way for man to be saved from his sin, to be rescued uh, from the judgment of God, and to receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ, if the only way to do that is by faith, then what I'm saying to you is this is that he's saying that we had better be clear on what faith. faith is and, and look at it according to the Bible and what the Bible has to say. Listen, listen. life is not a video game. There's no do-overs or, or a reset button or, or any of those things. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that if we don't get it right the first time, then we're going to find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. For, for I'm just telling you, listen, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, and I'm just saying to you, the only way to escape the judgment of God is not through our own righteousnesses, which are as filthy rags, but it's to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith. And so we had better make sure that we get it right. I would even say to you this, uh, this morning, and I realize the crowd that I'm speaking to and many of you have already been saved by faith and I want to say to you, child of God, that we're not exempt from this either. Because the Bible also says this, the just shall live by faith. And so you and I, that we too need to be sure about this substance of faith and that we have it in our lives as well. So I know you cannot believe this, but my introduction is done. It's a shocker. I think this is like one of the first times where I've ever had this, and I just felt like this was a moment where we should step back and honor the message here. The shortest introduction I've ever preached in several years. But the reason is because there's so much substance here, I, I don't want to waste time on... A lot of introduction. The Scriptures take care of itself. I want you to look at verses 19 through 22 there. Because really, I believe this. This is Abraham. What I would say to you is Abraham's uh, the, the attribute of Abraham's faith. In other words, Paul uh, going back and, and wanting to be clear on what faith is, the substance of faith. He goes down through the example of Abraham that he used in the, in the previous verses all the way back in verses 1 through 3 there, but he's going back to Abraham and using his example once again, and he begins to describe Abraham's faith. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet being the deadness of of Sarah's womb. And, And so he says here, he says his faith was not weak. In fact, look at verse 20, it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but but watch this, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So it wasn't weak, it was strong. And then notice it says in verse 21, and being fully persuaded that, that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So Paul makes it clear here that Abraham's faith the attribute of his faith it was not one that was weak uh, but strong and it was not staggering but rather it was fully persuaded in the point that Paul is making is this is that it was this kind of faith that led God to imputing his righteousness into Abraham when he believed look at verse number 22 and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness do you see what he's saying He's explaining this, this kind of faith that this is, this is the saving faith that we need, this strong faith, this real faith in God, in the promises of, of His Word. That's what He's saying. I, I, I know I've said this before, but it's worth saying here uh, once again this morning. But I'm telling you, I believe this. I believe one of the greatest dangers that is taking place in 21st century Christianity and especially in American Christianity, is that we are redefining terms in the Bible apart from the Bible. And faith is one of those terms. I'm glad I have a Bible this morning. I'm glad that it clears up just what the Bible means by, by faith. I want you to hold your place there in Romans and go with me to, to Hebrews in, in chapter number 11. And let me give you... If I could say it like this, the biblical definition of faith. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. Probably many of you know it in verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. Well that's great preacher, but what does that mean? Well I'm glad you asked. You did ask, right? I... But, but really what I, what I would say to you is this, and this is the way that I've always looked at it is that this verse right here, it gives us the two aspects of of biblical faith. If you notice, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance right there, well, that means confidence. Um, This is the first aspect, and it has to do with the inner man of the individual. That confidence, faith is the confidence, the, the assurance in the inner man of the promises of the Word of God. Well, I'm just telling you, hence words like like in the Bible like this, believe, trust. Um, You understand? Believe and trust and faith, those are all used interchangeably in the Bible. Well, why? Because they express the confidence within God's people of what God has given us in His Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, it's the substance of things hoped for, but also this, it's the evidence of things not seen. So, and I believe this, that that speaks to the fruit that is produced in the outer man as the individual lives according to the promises he says he believes. See, it's the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things of things not, not seen not, not seen. because here's why, listen to this, because biblical real faith produces a changed life. And I want you to listen to this. I'm not, I don't think that I'm saying this without any basis. In fact, I believe this. If you read the book or read the chapter, chapter number 11, it begins with a biblical definition of faith and then it continues and shows you those two aspects with example after example of faith. Meaning this, they had confidence in the inner man of what God had said, and they lived that confidence out by faith obeying God. By faith Noah believed the Word of God and built an ark. By faith Abraham believed God followed His calling into the promised land. By faith Moses believed God and chose to forsake Egypt and suffer affliction with His people. And the list goes on and on and on it is an inward confidence that resulted in an outward fruit. And so therefore, we must conclude a couple of things about faith, which even Paul is speaking to from the example of Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4. One of those is this, and I and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, because we made this clear, uh, very clear last week, but faith is more than just accepting the facts. And again, not to beat a dead horse, and I, as they say. And I, and I don't want to offend any horse lovers in here. How about how, not, not to beat a dead cat? <laughs> but I do think that needs to be pointed out. And Paul is basically exposing the same fallacy that I believe James sought to expose in James chapter 2 when he was dealing with real, with real faith that produced actual fruit. If you're still there in Hebrews, go back to James chapter 2. Just really quickly with me. Actually, go forward into James chapter 2. And and let me just show you uh, some quick things here. Just just really quick, but James chapter 2. And I know that we looked at this last week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We're going to move on. But I want you to see it from the Scriptures because here's what James concluded. In James chapter 2 and verses 17 through 19, he says, "...even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead." being alone. He says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I, have my, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. You can't do it. You can't do it. Well, why? Because it, there's to be the evidence of things not seen. But, but he's, James says this, I will show thee my faith by my works. And then he clarifies and he says this, Thou believest that there is one God... Thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. And what he's talking about right there is accepting the facts. The devils believe there is one God. You're doing good to do that. But what James is saying is this, is that that's not biblical faith. That's accepting the facts. But when you put your trust and your faith in God, in the promises of God through His Son, that's real faith that will begin to produce a changed life, a fruit that you begin to show an evidence of things not seen. I'm going to tell you something, we live in a day, boy, big time where people say they have faith, but they don't have fruit that backs it up. And I'm just saying to you, one of the big reasons why is because we've misdefined the terms here apart from the Scriptures. And that's why you hear people say, well, you know, preacher, I just believe in God. Well, that's great that you believe that there is a God, but I'm telling you, listen, I believe that there are airplanes, but it's a different thing when I purchase a ticket and step on the plane and trust it to fly me somewhere. Just like it's a different thing when I go beyond believing in the existence of God and I humble myself and call upon Jesus Christ as my Savior to forgive me of sins and to give me eternal life in heaven. See, now I've just went from the realm of facts and into biblical faith. But here's the other thing to point out, and I think this is interesting too. And you can go back to Romans chapter 4 now, and I appreciate you turning there. But the other thing that I want to say is this there is only one faith. And let me me explain to you what I mean by that. See, people people often categorize their their faith in in, you know in, in multiple categories. And really, we oftentimes do this to, to justify our circumstances or, or situate. Well, you know, preacher, i got, I got saving faith, but I just don't have enough faith to live for God. Well, well let, me, let me help you with this. That's not what you find with Abraham. Sure, no, 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 please catch this. Yes, faith can be weak at times and strong in others. Well I I loved I loved the dad that took his son to Jesus and said, "Lord I believe but help thou my unbelief." Well I'm tell you I could relate to him at times in my life, couldn't you? And I'm thankful for that, but my friend, I'm going to tell you something. There's not one faith that saves and then another faith that you need to live for God. The same faith that Abraham had in Genesis 15 verse 6 when he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the same faith he had throughout the rest of his life. It was the same faith he had when God gave him Isaac, but it was also the same faith that he had when when Sarah went home to be with the Lord. It was all throughout his life. It carried him all throughout. Why? Because it was real biblical faith. And what Paul is is saying in our text is this, is that we too must have this same biblical faith when it comes to salvation in a life unto God. That's what Abraham had. Please please catch this. It was not a lip service. It was a genuine decision within the heart of God to take God at His Word and it changed Abraham's life so that he lived for God throughout the rest of his days. That's the kind of faith that saves a man. That's what Paul is dealing with. Let Let me give you some things from Abraham's life that Paul points out and maybe just some things to draw from this morning. Look at verse number Verse number 19 of our text, he says this, and being, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of, of Sarah's womb. This is what I wrote down, and you can take it for what you want. But I believe this. I believe real, and if we could even say it like this, biblical faith, it trusts God in the impossible circumstances. I... I want us to just—could we do a little Bible study just for a second? And I want us to follow some things in the lives of Abraham and and Sarah. And so, go back with me to the Book of Genesis and 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 Chapter number fifteen. And, and you can hold your place there in Romans. We'll we'll get back to that here in just just a bit. And I don't want to—I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I, I just want you to see some things that I think would maybe help us this morning. Now, I. Listen, we know in Genesis chapter 15 and verses 1 through 6, God came to Abraham in a vision, showed him the stars in the sky, the promise of a seed. And in verse number 6, he believed in the Lord, Jehovah God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. We, we understand that. But look at some other things that would happen in, in Abraham's life. Look at Genesis chapter 17 and verses 15 through 19. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt call her name Sarai, or thou shalt not call her name rather Sarai, but Sarah shall be shall her name be, and I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of all nations, kings of people shall be of her. And then Abraham fell on his face, and he wept and praised God. It's not what it says, is it? It says he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. That's, listen, I, you and I know, many of us know the story, the sin with Hagar and Ishmael being born that's already been committed. Abraham has gotten right with God and received the covenant of circumcision. Here their names are being changed and, and the promise of Isaac is once again Confirmed, but even Abraham he laughed at the promise. Not not, not a laugh in mockery, but, but a laugh in one of disbelief that God could do it. Look at, look at chapter 18. And look at verse number nine. It says, and they said unto him, <laughs> and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Now, you understand, this is the part of Abraham's life where the Bible says he was entertaining angels unawares. I, in fact, I believe one of those was the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and, and this time... no. notice what happened. So, they asked where Sarah thy wife is. He says she's in the tent. She's preparing the meal. And in verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son... And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So therefore, now look at this, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, "After After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Listen, she wasn't just laughing about how old she was. She was laughing about how old her husband was. That's how that's how mean spirited women can be. Abraham was just heartbroken. It's all me, Lord, it's my fault. Oh, just. But look at what God says in verse number fourteen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? How encouraging is this? What what do you you mean, preacher? Well, let let me help you with this. Biblical faith doesn't mean we won't struggle from time to time. Or even experience unbelief. Abraham and Sarah both laughed at God in their disbelief that God would give them a child in their old age. But yet Paul calls it strong faith in Romans chapter 4. Well, why? Because strong faith doesn't quit or give up. It it staggers not. That's what staggering means. It doesn't quit or give up. It may struggle, but it keeps going, looking to see God to do the impossible. And, And let me help you with this. We do serve the same God that there is nothing too hard for. In fact, when the Lord Jesus was dealing with the rich young ruler as we've known him to come to be, We know this, that He walked away rejecting salvation. And Jesus looked at the disciples and said, it it was easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And the disciples just, I mean, their response was, well, who then can be saved? As if to say, let's just throw in the towel right now and give up and quit. But it was Jesus that responded and beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm going to tell you something, friend. It was impossible for an elderly couple, 190 years of age, to conceive a child, but God did it. It was impossible for a virgin to conceive and give birth, but God did it. It was impossible for a man to be crucified, die, be buried for three days, and rise from the dead. But God did it. Just like it was impossible for a guy like me to be saved. To be forgiven of my sin and receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life. Even after all my sin and all my unbelief, the denial of His existence, the blasphemy of His name. How could God, how, how could God save a wretch like me? Because He's the God of the impossible. It was, it was impossible for my language to change. It was impossible for me to get victory over my addiction to alcohol. Who'd ever thought a guy like me could marry a godly woman and raise a godly family? But I serve the God of the impossible. It was impossible for me to preach or to become a pastor. And boy, the devil sure tried to remind me of that. But God is the God of the impossible. You understand, I could keep going this morning. It's impossible for a guy from Florida to love and live in the state of Kansas. But I serve the God of the impossible. It's impossible for a handful of of people to get saved in some little cow town like Olathe and start Faith Baptist Church and see it grow into a strong, thriving church that honors and glorifies God to see a Christian school get started and celebrate 50 years, to send out missionaries to Ecuador and Japan, to give $140,000 in missions in a year, to see young men and women surrender their lives to the Lord. But we serve the God of the possible. Amen. It's going to be impossible for a little family to head to the country of Japan to a different language and a different culture and a different people and preach the gospel and see people safe and churches started. But I'm thankful I know the God of the impossible this morning. I'll tell you something, friend, you may be here this morning and struggling in your faith like Abraham and Sarah did at times in their life, wondering how God is going to do the impossible that you need Him to do. But my friend, real faith, biblical faith, keeps plugging along, believing that He is and He will do what He committed to do. I want to say to you this morning that real faith, it trusts God through failures. Look at verse number 20 of our text. Paul would go on to say this about Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of unbelief. Or staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith in giving glory to God. And again, the word staggered there. It means to separate thoroughly, to oppose or contend with, to withdraw. It is the idea of turning back. Abraham may have failed from time to time. He may have struggled in his faith, as we all do. But he did not quit. He did not turn back. He staggered not at the promises of God. I want you to think about some of the things that Abraham and Sarah did. As I already mentioned, Sarah gave Abraham Hagar, her, or her handmaid, to be Abraham's wife to produce a seed. You understand, that was their attempt at trying to carry out what God promised for them. Abraham and Sarah, as we already saw, they both laughed at God in unbelief. Abraham failed to trust God in a famine and took Sarah down into Egypt and told a half lie. She's my sister. A lie is a lie. And by the way, he done it twice. <laughs> the point is this. Please, please get this this morning. I think oftentimes we look at those in the Scriptures and even the patriarchs like Abraham and we see them as being perfect or without fault. And I want to tell you this morning that's simply not true. They were men of like passions as we are. They had their faults and their failures. They struggled in their unbelief at times, their faith. But I'm going to tell you something, real faith, real faith, biblical faith, it keeps trusting in God through those times. I like what Proverbs twenty four sixteen says: "For the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again." I, you know what that means? That means this: that he keeps getting up time and time again in battling to remain faithful to God. See, real faith believes what the Bible says about our sin before salvation and after salvation. Real, real. Listen, like Abraham you're going to sin after your salvation. But real faith battles through the guilt of failures and trusts in the forgiveness of God and keeps going forward for God. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, and we are going to sin, praise God we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm just saying to you, if you'll come to Jesus Christ this morning, you may already be saved, but if you're not where you need to be, you can come to Him and confess and forsake. And I'm going to tell you something, He'll cleanse you of all all your unrighteousness and restore you back to fellowship with Him. I mentioned a moment ago about when God had called me to preach and the devil was sure boy, he was sure trying to hinder me from following God's calling on my life. And I never forget the morning that I surrendered, and I listen, I remember when my feet touched the floor, and it was like the devil was all over me, and he was dragging all of my past before my mind's eye, even the things that I did after after my salvation. And I remember going into the plant that morning, the chemical plant that I worked in, and man, I was just struggling spiritually, and I was wrestling with guilt over my sin and, and all of these things. And, and, uh, and, and I mean, I had people coming up to me going, hey man, are you okay? Because I, I, that, that wasn't me. I always wanted to be a testimony and have the joy of the Lord in, in my life. And so people could tell things, things weren't right. Man, I was struggling. And i never forget about 10.30 that morning. Man, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was sitting there and I was welding and I was doing some work and I just started talking to God. Aren't you glad you don't you don't have to go to a specific place to talk with God? You can talk to Him right where you're at. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, what is, what is going on? And it was like the Spirit of God just said, Well, you know what I want you to do. I want you to preach. And all I could think about was all this stuff that I had did before I got saved, things that I struggled with after my salvation. And I kept thinking, Man, I, I can't preach the Word of God. I can't be a pastor or or preach or anything like that, all the things that I did. And, and and really what happened was this, is that I finally got to this place where I had to take what God said about my sin, that it was under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I had to trust in that, and then I had to do what God wanted me to do. And the moment that I said, Lord, You've forgiven me of all this stuff. And if You want me to preach, I'll preach. And the moment that I said that, It was like the burden of guilt and all of that stuff just left me and I knew what God wanted me to do. Preacher, what what are you you, you getting at? What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that it was faith in what God said about my sin. It was faith in what He said in His Word that gave me victory over my guilt and allowed me to go on and serve God and live for God. And, And that's what I'm saying is that you and I have to have the same thing. The same thing that Abraham had. The same thing that I had. You have to have the same thing a- as well. We spend so much time. We spend so much time talking about the devil and what he does in our lives. Why, why don't we start talking about more about what God's done? Or what God can do or is doing in our lives? Because here's what I've come to discover, is that if all you do is talk about the devil, then who are you giving glory to? He was strong in the faith, giving glory to God. You understand, I'll never forget, my pastor said this one time, and I'll never forget this, and I know I've said this before, but he said this, he said, I don't think God's as concerned, nearly as concerned about our sin as we are sometimes. And don't misunderstand the context of what he said, Because yeah, we do need to make sure, if you're not willing to humble yourself and get right with God and admit some sin and things like that, then certainly you can't be right with God. But what he was saying was this, is that we spend far too much time in guilt when God has said, it's already under the blood. I want you to think about this. Why are we continuing to mull over that which God said was cast as far as the east is to the west Never to be remembered anymore. If God said He doesn't remember it, why are you still chewing on it? Why don't you take God's word by faith in what He said about your sin and let go of the guilt and stop letting the devil rob you of moving forward and serving God in the joy that God has for you in His Son Jesus Christ? Real faith, trust God in His promises. With real faith, trust those things in failures. We all fail. We all mess up, but we serve a God that forgives and restores. Yep. I like this. Look at verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And, and so this is what I wrote down. Real faith simply real faith is simply this faithfulness. It's faithfulness. To Abraham, faith wasn't just a phase of life he was going through. It wasn't a well. You know, I'm going to try this out and see if it works. It wasn't a Burger King religion. You know, if it's not my way right away, then I'm going to quit and give up. No faith. Uh, Abraham, he was all in. It says this that he was he was fully persuaded. I'm all in, God. I'm all in. And I want you to think about this. Abraham and Sarah waited on God for the birth of Isaac. But also, they never got to see the end result of Isaac this side of eternity. What do you mean by that? Abraham never got to see Israel as the stars of heaven in his lifetime. Remember when God took him in Genesis fifteen six? 6? He so said, I want you to look up and see all the stars... In fact, we saw the promises there that that God told Abraham, she's going to have a seed, you're going to name him Isaac, and and kings and nations are going to come out of her. Abraham never got to see that. Sarah never got to see that. Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? Friend, I'm telling you, the, the bottom line was this, Abraham was patient and waited on God in one aspect of his life, but he was also content in not seeing the fullness of that vision being fulfilled if it wasn't his way, Abraham was OK with that. Well, why? Because he knew if Abraham, or if God could give Isaac, then God's going to carry out the rest of his word. We have Americanized the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something, we have drunk the poison of the prosperity gospel. And then when reality hits and life doesn't go the way you and I planned, what happens is this, is that we throw in the towel. And we get bitter. and We get angry. We get angry with God. We get angry with everybody else because that's what bitterness towards God does. It manifests itself in everybody else. And I, I, listen, and I want to say this morning, and I don't mean this to be cruel at all, but this is what I want to say to us when we do that. Where is our faith? Where's our faith? Folks, look at the Bible. It's, it's, it's chock full of people that, that, that waited on God, or, or that went through difficult things and, and life didn't turn out the way that it planned that they planned. but yet the promises of God, that was enough. Read Hebrews chapter 11, the whole of faith chapter. That's a perfect example of that. And don't, don't get me wrong. Man, hey, I'm a sucker for happy endings. I like it. I like the old westerns, man, and the bad guy dies in the end, and the hero rides off into the sunset and we live happily ever after. I, I like that kind of stuff. And that, that's, that's, that's exactly why I have never watched Old Yeller. Why? What? What kind of sicko comes up with a movie where in the end, the boy's got to shoot his dog? Now, if it had been a cat, probably watched it. But man's best friend? Come on, man. That's sick. What, what I'm saying to you is this, is that life, reality, it, it's not Hollywood movies. I'm going to tell you something. I'd have loved to hit the pause button on life about four years ago. I would have three grandparents and a stepdad still alive. And my wife would have three grandparents and an aunt still alive. Well, folks, that's not how life works. Part of living is dying. It's just reality. And the point is, there's going to be difficulties for the believer. There's going to be, there's going to be times where you and I have to wait on God, and we've got to trust God Or maybe we have to even look to God and the promises that are ahead when we don't get the outcome that we desired. And it's kind of like what Hebrews said, we're looking for that better country that is in heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God for He hath prepared for them a city. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Real faith, it carries on through those times. That's the faith that Abraham had. And that's what Paul is pointing out here. But now look at the application to Abraham's faith. Look at what he says. See, beginning in verse 23, he says, Now it was not written for his sake alone. Notice the personal application now. To the saints in Rome, or even the lost in Rome. He says that it it wasn't written for his sake alone. That it was imputed to him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up our Lord, uh, Lord from the dead and who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So, so, so what's, this, what's this application then to this substance of Abraham's faith that he had? Well, here's one. The object of your faith matters. I mean, that's why, isn't it, that Paul rehearses the gospel there in verses 24 and 25 when he says, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, listen to this, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Truth of the matter is, you you can have great faith in the wrong object. And it be what the Bible calls vain or empty. I've seen people that have their faith in their baptism. But look at what it says right there, unless you believe on Him that has raised up Jesus from the dead. Doesn't say anything about getting baptized unto Him that was raised up from the dead. Is everybody catching that? Doesn't say anything about a church membership. Doesn't say anything about a church confirmation or, or uh, you know, observing a communion or making a confession to a knothead in a knot hole somewhere. Doesn't say anything about those things. It says believed, faith, faith in who the one that raised Him from the dead, believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody get what I'm saying? truth of the matter is, you can have all your ducks in a row and be sitting in a church like this, but still not have your faith in the right object. I've seen people have their faith in the, in the prayer that they said. I'll never forget, we had a, when I was pastoring in Cassville, and we had a dear uh, family in the church, and the man was a deacon in our church, and just a faithful couple, and his mom and dad, before I had ever gotten there, his dad had passed away from cancer. And when he had cancer, some guy that was in this easy believism, uh, false doctrine, went over there and, and led his mom in this sinner's prayer. And what was interesting is, is that she never wanted to come to church. She never wanted to you, you know, serve God and, and live for God. She had said this little prayer, and so I'm fine. She sure thankful, though, that she had a faithful son and daughter-in-law, and they kept going by and picking her up for church on Sunday night. She didn't want to come on Sunday morning, but she'd come on Sunday night. And it just so happened that we were having discipleship class before the Sunday evening service, and we were going through the ABCs of Christian growth. And she goes, you know what, I want to sign up for that class. I said, all right. So she started going through it. She got all the way to the letter W, and the letter W is for this, witnessing. And we're going through the lesson in the class, and she's sitting there, and I, I, you know, and we're going through and we're talking about how you need to have a testimony of salvation, and then you share that testimony with those who need around you that need the gospel and that need to be saved. And I noticed in her booklet that this was the very first time she's sitting in class and she hadn't filled out the answers. And she's just got this, this, this look of struggle on her countenance. And I finally stopped and I said, Miss Carol, are you, are you okay? And she said, I, she said, Preacher, I couldn't fill out the rest of this. She said, Because I, I, I just don't know if I have a testimony of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, normally right then I'd have said, Hey, listen, let's go right now. But what, it, what, what I also knew was that my message that night was in the book of Acts where Paul gives his testimony of salvation. And the title of my message was this, Do You Have a Testimony? And I said, Miss Carol, why don't, you, why don't you wait until the service tonight and you listen to the message and if God speaks, then you respond. I preached that night on a Sunday night and Miss Carol walked the aisle to come to receive Christ as her Savior. Had one of our ladies in our church, one of our dear ladies deal with her and she came out later and she said, Preacher, it was incredible. She said, I kept talking to her and she would say, well, you know, I had this, this guy came over and I repeated this prayer and this guy came over and I repeated.' And she said, I just kept telling her, it's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ alone. And she said, it, just, it was like a light bulb went off and it clicked and you could see it on her countenance that she realized that I had been putting my faith in the prayer that I said, not the one who I was supposed to be praying to. Wrong object boy, I'm telling you, when she put her faith in Jesus Christ, when she got Abraham's faith, oh man, it was a totally different lady. 72 years old, baptized a deacon's mom into the church. She wanted to get baptized after that. She wanted to be in church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. She didn't have to have her son and daughter-in-law call and go, hey, you're going to go to church tonight, right? She was calling them, hey, you coming to pick me up, right? I'll never forget. She was living on a fixed income and I was over visiting with her. And she said, Preacher, I want to give to Faith Promise Missions. Amen. Son, that's a changed life. Why? Because she finally got real faith and the right object. Amen. Amen. So the object of your faith matters. It's not some baptism that will save you, friend. And it's not some, not some church membership or or doing good works, or, or whatever it is that you're banking on, that unless you've had a time and place in your life where you've humbled yourself as a sinner before the Almighty God of heaven and earth and called upon the name of His Son who was buried and rose again for your salvation, then you are not saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." is Jesus Christ and faith in him but let me tell you something else it's not just the object of our faith it's the substance of our faith what it's made up of is it biblical is it real is it, and I'm, because I'm just telling you, it's not, it's not just facts that will save you or some intellectual knowledge that you have. No, there's got to be a faith and a trust and a time and place where you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Jesus Christ Himself, He gave this parable of the sower. And so this sower goes and He casts all this seed out. And he begins to tell the different types of ground where the seed landed. And one of those grounds was, he said, it was a stony ground. So, what the idea was this, is that it had some soil on the surface, but directly underneath that surface, it was a hard rock. And so what happened was, the seed fell upon the soil, and it, be, and it began to spring up, even gave the appearance of of, 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 of taking root and it was going to bear some fruit but then the sun came out and it immediately burned it up and here's why because there was no root in there it couldn't get past the rock what he was talking about when he was talking about that stony ground was this he was talking about the heart he said sometimes the heart of an individual can be stony be hard and in fact what will happen is this is that sometimes they'll they'll receive the seed so to speak and it looks like listen they'll give this appearance of they've received it might even follow him in baptism but then something tragic happens in their life and they quit on god and they turn away from the things of god And the reason is because, please catch this, because there's no root. Their heart was hard. They never really got broken of their sin and put their faith and trust in God. Well, you know, preacher, I I mean, sure, I, I believe in God. Well, that's great you accepted the facts, but faith is more than that. Well, you know, preacher, I had somebody come by and they said, if you'll just repeat this after me, you'll be fine. So I did that. So I'm okay this morning. No, you put your faith in the wrong object. Right. Well, you know, preacher, it just all makes sense to me and sounds good. I'll, all right. Well, no, that's great that you understand it, but have you put your faith in it? Right. See? Anybody, is, anybody, is anybody getting this? Yeah. Well, what, I, what I'm saying to you is this, is that until you open up your heart, And realize you're a sinner. He's the Savior and you call upon Him. You're lost and you need to be saved. But can I tell you something else? Sometimes the child of God's heart is just as hard. I forget one time I was listening to my friend, Brother Dean Herring, preach. I love this story because I can relate to it so much. He was talking about his daughter back in the 80s. The greatest generation. She wanted a cabbage patch doll. And I don't know if you remember the cabbage patch dolls or not. They were really expensive. And he said this. He said, So she came to me. She said, I want a cabbage patch doll. And he goes, I just brushed her off on God. Said, Why don't you go and ask God for it? He said, man, we would have family devotions and gather around and every night, you know, we'd give the kids a turn to pray. Said he would get to his daughter and she'd start she'd start praying, "Oh God. You know that quaking of the voice, that seriousness, "Oh God, I uh, give me, I know you can do it, God, give me a cabbage patch doll." And he said, man, he said it was he said, "We're you know, she she's praying and and he goes, "I remember opening my eyes, I'm looking over at my wife and going, "Son, she's going to call fire down from heaven on this place." And it just the the seriousness there, and he goes, man. He he said it was adorable at first. He said, but this went on like every family devotion, and it just went on. And he goes, man, I I I wanted to pull her off to the side and go, listen, don't don't you understand that God's got bigger things going on? There are there are wars, the world is in chaos, people need need to be saved. And he goes, but I I didn't wanna I didn't want to be cruel, and I didn't want to hurt her, and so we just we just kept letting her letting her pray and he said it wasn't but like about six or months or a few months later and we were getting ready and i think it was thanksgiving or or something like that and he said we're going over to uh, his sister's house he said we're going over to my sister's and and he goes i walked in the door and my sister met me at the front door and she goes hey i got to talk to you and he goes i got nervous because i'm independent baptist and she's southern baptist and i didn't know what was going to go going to go down you know and she goes listen she goes I wanted to give something to Dixie, your daughter. She said a few weeks ago we were in a store and they had these one of these you know uh, raffle things and we put our name in the hat. Well, they called us last week and said, come on down and get your prize. You want a prize? She said, we got all excited. We got the pickup truck. We thought it was a big screen TV and we got down there and it was a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> and we want to see if we could give it to your daughter, give it to Dixie. And he said, sure, go ahead. And they gave her the doll, and you could hear screaming, Woo! Daddy! Look what God gave me! Held up this doll, and it was the ugliest thing you ever seen. His name was Marvin. Amen. I that's why I like Marvin at VBS. Amen. Ugly cabbage patch. I've been there where they made the cabbage patch. I'll never forget what he said after this. He said, he said, she came in the room screaming, look at what God gave me. He said he sent her out, and he closed the door. And he got on his knees and he said, God, forgive me for thinking that you're too big to handle something that small. Instead of realizing that because you are so big, you can handle everything. Folks, I'm just telling you, sometimes I think this, that us as God's people, our faith can be as shallow as the stony hearted lost. And maybe it is we need to go back to Abraham and just trust God to do the impossible. Maybe to bank on him and let go of some of that guilt this morning and knowing that it's already under the blood and we just need to get it right and forsake it and confess it. Or maybe it is you're going through a battle in a difficult time, but to know that God is still able and even if He doesn't, There's still a whole eternity to look forward to in Him. And just keep going on. That's the substance of faith. Now how's your faith? How's yours? Let's all stand.